Yeah, I'm making. I got. I got to get rid of this stupid smile so my mouth won't move properly. Uh, 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 Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Frivolous Gravitas. I'm your co-host Jordan, and this is Chris, your other co-host. Zach. Hi. There he is. Today we're going to be talking about a topic that is not really uh, as well known to a lot of us as. Uh, as it well maybe it could be or something a little foreign uh, but that's why we're talking about it because it's a little foreign to us and um luckily we have someone who has kind of been steeped in this culture for quite a while and that's well chris actually so wow. we're going to be looking at wow uh like gonna spoiler be, alert <laughs> spoiler alert well we're going to be looking at uh rap or hip-hop music which i have dabbled in but still i'm very ignorant of uh and i think this is our first time covering any musical topic really it is yeah which is neat so yeah bear with us but um yeah so this is rap's kind of that thing you know just a damn punk kids listening to rap but i think there's a lot of um there's a lot of value in there Although you do have to, like any music, uh, sift through the 90% garbage with any genre of anything to get to the gold, but there's still gold there. So let's start by actually asking Chris, what does this genre of music actually mean to you? Hello and thank you. Sorry again, guys, my voice is still out. It's been a month, so you're going to have to deal with it because otherwise we just won't be producing. It is getting better. (laughs) I'm sure it's good enough. Yeah, I guess I'll just start where I got into it. Um, I was sort of raised in the church, so I was always into hymnals and church music back in the day. And I loved the poetry of like the Psalms and the hymns and the Bible and stuff because of the lyrical content wasn't superficial. I mean, a lot of the times it was, but (laughs) some of the songs that you find at church are about like existential beliefs. And I didn't hear music like that ever on the radio or anything like that. So fast forward a few uh, years when I started making music, like just in high school and band and with a keyboard and stuff, um, I found that an interesting thing about church music is that if you go to different churches, they'll play the same songs, but they'll play and sing them differently. So they use the same lyrics to different background music. And the music is just a way to help you remember the lyrics and the lyrics are just parts of the Bible. So essentially it clued into the old like Bedouin tribes doing it with um, with the book of uh, the Quran mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> Brahmanic cultures in India and the, you know, oops, sorry. Um, it's sort of been a tradition with humans to do poetry to a background beater music for centuries, if not longer. And I didn't realize until I started listening to, when I first heard good hip hop, it was uh, Tupac. And before that, it was it just sounded like beepity boppity, you know, this and that, rhyming three-letter words with the same three-letter words. Like, it sounded so childish and juvenile, I never gave it a chance. We're going to pump but up the I jam. when I heard Tupac writing songs, he used an emphasis and a cadence that was very similar to, like, Shakespeare. And that's when I got hooked on it, because I realized how wonderful it could be. Before that, I never even had a clue. <clears throat> and Tupac was sort of trained in um performing arts so like he was friends with janet jackson he did a couple movies so he he was very much into acting and theater 
and screenplay. And it really came across in his voice and the way he accentuated his, his words. But because he was so talented and clever, he was also a brilliant writer. Mm-hmm. But because he was from, you know, the inner city, the urban, the inner urban, whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> no, the urban part, like yeah, he, not the he, nice part of the city. <laughs> yeah. He developed lyrics that were foreign to most people who, who weren't resident of those areas, to put it lightly. But um, well, it was a lot of times like that's not what the news was showing people back there. It wasn't you didn't have the Internet with people with cell phones showing you what it was like in yeah. like Compton or something. You, you and you learn you listen to a song and the song tells you a story. And all of a sudden you're like, what the heck? And it's this it's this it's this new world that's kind of just down the street. And the thing is, it's like the news, like in hip hop, they often call it like a branch of media because they didn't have a voice in the news. It was always mm-hmm. some thug was robbing somebody. And then when a thug got robbed, it was, you know, well, you, you live in a dangerous area, so that's your fault. Yeah, postmodernists call that the silence in the records, which is just a fancy way of saying exactly what you think, but it's, it, it was a thing. <clears throat> yeah, like, neglect is abuse, like flat out. And neglecting police brutality just because we didn't have video footage of it from cell phones and then even when we got cell phones, they still tried to neglect it. Like, yeah, it was a real problem. Long even when they have body cameras, matter. they're like, fuck it. I'm gonna beat this guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. sorry. And like, it wasn't just like similar things like stop and frisk or whatever, where the government policies would be systematically racist, but they wouldn't realize it until later. And like red line districting for insurance and mortgage approvals and loans, interest rates based on your name. If you had a name like LaRonda, you get a higher interest rate. Mm-hmm. Like, things like that were known, but nobody talked about it. So hip hop came out as not just a way of performing and expressing outrage and anger and doing the most natural poetic uh, poetry that you can, which is just to a drum beat or whatever. Um, so it harkens back to the whole African culture too, because drums are a huge part of African culture as they are with everybody. but. Mm-hmm. Especially in Africa, <clears throat> they don't, <clears throat> excuse me, especially in Africa, they don't rely as heavily on, on expensive instruments like guitars. <laughs> um, well, a drum is, um, every culture develops some sort of percussion instrument, uh, and but they used it in, every culture used it different in, in different ways. Um, like, for example, you know, taiko drumming in Japan, or you get, you know, um, various forms of like you get the djembe and you have different uh what do you call that it's just everything from that to a tambourine <laughs> or, you know, so it's not to say that it's unique to african culture but what's unique is in african cultures the the drums were central whereas in other countries mostly the drum is a supporting instrument it holds mm-hmm. a rhythm for the other instruments basically yeah in in europe a lot of times they relied on um uh, brass or woodwinds to like a lot of fanfare with uh, Europeans just like they're blaring horns yeah, and pots <laughs> pots and there's nothing wrong with that it's just it's just different mm-hmm. but uh in the black culture which is where hip-hop and, and rap sort of derive from um they were hearkening back to their African roots one but two they couldn't afford other instruments so it just made sense um mm-hmm. but Hip hop to me was sort of the development of the turntable as an instrument. I don't think anybody did that before because, you know, turntables only existed for a couple decades prior. 
and you couldn't really do it with a phonograph because okay. those sounded so terrible on their own. What the heck is a turntable? Like, because I've seen it at clubs, and it's just the guy with the turntable, and he's got the one ear over with the thing on, and I have no idea what the heck he's doing. <laughs> um, it's a record player. Okay, that's what I thought. It's a record player, and he just kind of like I understand how you make that 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 sound, but like, is that all he's doing up there? Just well, modern is different because they use technology and. They use mm -hmm. digital samples and things like that. But originally a turntable was just uh, a vinyl record mm -hmm. and you'd go to a hip hop store or something and you'd buy a, a vinyl record of samples. And instead of having music, it would have loops on it. And each loop would last about like 30 to 40 seconds. Mm -hmm. And you only need about 20 seconds of it, right? It's just right. they give you a little bit of buffer room to lead in and out. So when you have two turntables and you've got a crossfader, you can switch between your headphones from one turntable to the other. So while you're playing a background beat on 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 loop on one of your other turntables, mm -hmm. you can time the other side in your microphone and cue it up, and then you can fade in one to the other. Oh. So you can add musical instruments that you don't own on top of each other. So you can bring so, it in at the right moment and whatever yeah. you want to bring in. So and a lot of people have the misconception that hip hop is just stealing other people's music and it's not original, but like the original thing was creating music without an instrument, just with sounds of instruments. You don't mm -hmm. get to choose what note you play. You have to work with what you got. That's the difficulty. Right. And you kind of see this, it's kind of reminds me of when everyone claims that, uh, you know, you think of something like something stupid, like the star Wars soundtrack, which is very well orchestrated but then everyone's like oh he's ripping off holst and you got holst who's ripping off mahler and you have mahler who's ripping off uh brahms and and beethoven you have beethoven who's riffing off of uh mozart and but you can see um a progression of certain not themes but um i guess you'd call them samples where you get uh certain um, ways of moving into each other or not moving into each other, but certain sounds and certain, um, chords that just keep showing up over and over and over again. And they just use them differently. They bring them in differently. They add them to a different melody and they use the same sounds and feelings in different ways, which is kind of why I don't know. Classical kind of got a bit after the twenties and thirties kind of got a bit weird. Um, most, a lot of also because of, um, other things just it got uh, a bit stale because they were also teaching yeah. the the theory and once yeah. you learn a theory from a book you can't really deviate very well this is know? the way we do it and then you get people like Ravel who are like nuts to that i'm gonna do it like this and everyone's like okay that's great yeah. and then you have someone like shostakovich who's coming in late going okay i'm gonna do all that stuff you want but i'm gonna do it really well and there's no really where to go from that and so then you get people in the 60s saying well what if i did that but with a guitar and that was great. You got a lot of really neat stuff in the seventies, but then hip hop comes around and does something completely different in the eighties and mm -hmm. like this You're, but it's the same, but to me, it sounds like it's the same thing. You're taking, um, you're taking things, but you're not just taking, you know, chords. You're not just taking the technical mathematical pieces. You're taking actual like samples of the music and chopping them up too so yeah if something shouldn't end you end it and you make like a a, a quarter step pause mm -hmm. and that quarter step pause is usually filled by a punchline lyric and that's not just like a joke lyric which it can be but like a punchline is the the part that you know you lead into to drive your point home 
you sort of set up your punchline like a joke, but you set up, it could be any other type of concept, right? It mm-hmm. could be about racism, police brutality, politics, neighborhood violence. They do lots of songs about their moms. Corvettes. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the interesting things about hip hop that I think most people don't, um, don't appreciate or value is um, the lyrical patterns of the rhyming schemes. So Mm -hmm. a lot of people will say that they listen to music like um, Brian Adams and Bob Dylan because they love the lyrics, right? Yeah. But if you ever listen to what's on the radio now, you can't honestly tell me that you appreciate the lyrics. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. You're beautiful. Like under my umbrella, my umbrella, my umbrella, my umbrella. You know what I mean? Like lyrics now are absolutely garbage and that's not just a subjective view that's objectively true well sit down and look at them to be fair um i can hear everyone copying me but uh to be fair the beatles this is again i'm gonna be triggering a lot of people here the beatles weren't exactly um juggernauts of you know poetic verse uh not a fan either i can't really like i understand why people like them they're, they were probably the first real pop group that just everyone understood the music. It was simple. It was catchy. Everyone kind of grooved on it all at once in the same moment. And it, it was stuck. very experimental too. Nobody mm-hmm. heard experimental music really. Oh yeah. It, it did try things that nobody had done before. Um, Which now you, later you took to the actual could year. argue that the Grateful Dead did some of the stuff before the Beatles, but, uh, or during, because you know, the whole drug trip albums, but, um, which was experimental, but the, like a lot of people were doing that at that time. And, um, but the lyrical aspect of, um, some, some of the stuff was that you're getting at is like, has it's, I'm going to go into my expertise. It, it it always associated with me with like old old poetry you get something like um oh geez i can just pull something off the wall yeah. like t.s Eliot or frost or something like that yeah well even something like um uh just let me see here you get something like uh shakespeare where you know, as sparrows, eagles, or hath hair, the lion, if I say sooth, I must report, like, you get this dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. And that is, that's, that's iambic pentameter. Now, if I go into that, I'm going to be pedantic as heck, so I'm not going to, but all you need to know is that all that means is dun-dun, 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 dun-dun. And so, or you get something like a sonnet, which you'll have an Alexander, well, I'm talking in French mostly, but um, you'll have the Alexandrian format. Now, these are all very codified. This doesn't happen in hip hop or rap as far as I know. And so you get the Alexandrian, which is you in a sonnet, you'll want the and you'll kind of want that, but it's not the like in a song where the notes are driving the melody the words themselves are supposed to carry that melody in itself, which is why like Shakespeare works because you don't notice it going dun, 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 friends, Romans, countrymen. You just, (laughs) it's like, why does that hit? Because the words themselves drive 
that um, the melody of the of the thing, and this it seems is to me what hip hop is leveraging. Whereas everything's relying on uh, I don't know. You think of like a um, you think of just any song from like the eighties or something. There there is an element of that, but a lot of times when the songs riding on the melody the melody itself is the most important or um you know because you want it to be catchy or you get something like hendrix where the words are poetry but well obviously they're poetry that's written in verse but what's right and keeping the song isn't that it's the sublime talent of hendrix on his guitar or something like that that's what's carrying it but rap has to kind of rely on the words because and, and it's a wonderful constraint because what it does is it forces that much more emphasis and effort and attention to the writing so when people are looking for a melody um hip-hop's just that's not what you listen to hip-hop for right and mm -hmm. if you're listening to a for like a lot of lyrics you'll you'd need like an eight minute long song to do that in traditional rock oh yeah it's so slowly so well because you get that you get a verse which is usually four lines maybe six and it's they're not long lines if you look at any lyrics and then you get a chorus which repeats tap 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 yeah, there's not enough time to actually establish a really cogent thought out idea i mean sometimes mm -hmm. there are and that's those are the greats or whatever but like mm -hmm. Um, people like Leonard Cohen made their living not on their singing or their ability to play guitar. It was on yeah. their writing. And Bob Dylan was an awful singer, but like his writing was, it was un, unmatched really from anyone else in, in of the era. Well, how many songs from the seventies or eighties were covers of Bob Dylan songs that everyone, <laughs> no one knew were Bob Dylan songs? Like half of the stuff on the radio was a cover of a Bob Dylan song when I was a kid growing up. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so in, in getting back to like um the the popular perception of hip-hop being something that just steals instruments and stuff from other other music it that's not the point of the music though so it's mm -hmm. like kind of saying um uh the cheese is taking over the pizza and it's like well pizza is its own thing like it's mm -hmm. completely separate from the other stuff yes it has cheese and other things have cheese on it but like a pizza is not a hamburger they can both have cheese, but they're not the same thing. Well, it's at some point you're, you, you, that's an exercise in just definition, which it's isn't productive. It's, yeah. You're saying, well, what kind of, like, it's me. The reason I, when I say something, I'm describing a sonnet, we can describe a sonnet because a sonnet was essentially a game. Um, because, you know, you have, you want to say something and it has to be risky, but you can't let yourself, uh, you can't, you know, you can't out yourself enough. So you have to say just enough to make everyone titillate a bit and wonder who's getting into trouble with whom. And you have 14 lines and it has to sound like this and it has to rhyme like this. So it's like a limerick, which is also kind of a game, you know, you or have, haiku or whatever. Yeah, exactly. And haikus are, it's, it's, it's a, it's a lyrical game, <clears throat> but there's some good sonnets out there. And, uh, and they have artistic value and when you try and define it like oh i must have this 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 that's technical that's game rules that's constraint and you do need constraint to some extent because you know freedom is just noise at this point but it's the structure that gives us a a, a love of music though like mm -hmm. even with rock and experimental stuff that just sounds like it's going off on uh, like waterfall solos <clears throat> and things like that 
those aren't just random noise. The reason why it sounds different from a bunch of stuff falling off the counter is because even though it's very quick and sharp and staccato, mm-hmm. um, it's very precise. And that's what made Hendrix and, you know, all, uh, Santana and all those kind of guys really famous is their ability to, um, their ability to pick out and pluck out that type of not perfection, because there's always going to be that human deviation that goes a little bit too far and a little bit, but bringing you yeah. back to a center, bringing you back to a G chord is always comforting and relaxing to a listener. And with hip hop, you do that with uh, rhyming schemes or patter schemes. Mm-hmm. So everybody knows the uh, patter schemes from like cartoons and stuff they used to watch. But the reason that's catchy and sticks with us is because our brains love that type of rhythm. Yeah. And when you use when you use your tongue and your syllables as drums, like snares and hi hats and cymbals, would complement. Hmm? This is, I am the very model of a modern major general. I have information, That's animal, right. vegetable, and mineral. I can quote the Kings of England and then I know the fight's historical from Marathon to Waterloo in order categorical. Yeah. I, yeah, and that's I could super go on. Enthralling. Like anybody who hears you start wants to hear the the, the punchline at the the way that it comfortingly falls to a perfect timed place. Yeah. And that's and, what hip hop is. It's about it's about leveraging that rather than the melody. So if people listen to rap listening for a melody, they're gonna hate it. That's not mm-hmm. what it is. It's not a hamburger. It's a pizza. <laughs> <laughs> and I think what I'm saying is like scientific categorization doesn't help, but, and that's different than the rules of the game. Um, so uh, I think that's all I was trying to get at, but yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to tack that on there, but. Um, and just for some awesome examples of this, like, I mean, Tupac might be a little bit too gangsta for most people. But if, if you listen to uh, Chino XL, he does songs that are just about wordplay. Instead of saying, I like rap because of words, he actually writes a lot of really complicated raps about like grammar and punctuation. Like He's got uh, one song called Wordsmith that's the whole song is like that. But it's all puns on punctuation in a rhyme in a song without singing right like the mm. whole thing is meta <laughs> but hey, he knows um, what he's up to he's not just being like yo i'm gonna be a, talk about what i want <laughs> it's yeah, i mean sometimes he does too but like that's sort of the thing about rap music is that it was a form of expression to be heard when nobody was listening to you and mm. everybody feels like that sometimes no matter what your skin color or where you live or work or whatever kids go to school knowing that their teachers don't give a shit about their opinions you know right. their teachers are there to instill opinions well not shows up teachers listen but most sh- adults don't listen to kids so kids like rap well that shows up a lot in the um in, in kind of the nature of it because you get something like 60s folk hippie music and it's very relaxed it's very passive hip-hop is it, it, it it's by nature seems to be very aggressive you know i'm gonna tell you exactly what yeah, I want to tell you. And it might just be, yo, I got more money than you. I've got more shit than you. I've, I'm better. A lot of that is fantasy. What they're mm-hmm. doing is without saying I'm poor and destitute and desperate, mm-hmm. fantasizing about all the things that they think about. So instead of listening to it word for word, like, oh, he's just talking about all the women who like him again. What he's actually saying is I'm really insecure around women. 
which is why it's funny when these guys come out and they say nothing else because they think that's what acceptable rap is and they're missing the point. That's right. why it sounds so ridiculous to people who actually listen to hip hop. From the outside, when I see that, a lot of it seems like, like some of it seems like um, this is what they're interested in. And that makes sense to me. But a lot of it also seems like this is what's expected to me of me because it's been around long enough to evolve a bit. Uh, a lot. Well, um, I call that the Kanye effect. When you're just oh. in it for glory and fame and for people's attention, then you do the simplest, most superficial thing you can think of. And that's what it sounds like to a superficial person. Mm-hmm. But if all you listen to was public enemy, you'd swear hip hop was a political statement. Right. And I rem- like, I remember it, <clears throat> it's just, sometimes it seems, I think when it seems like it to me is when you have uh, someone come up with like a deep song and then they have kind of an outrage song where they're talking about like, this is, bugging me and it's all really heartfelt and then all of a sudden comes the weed song and you're just like it's it, it, it sometimes it just seems a bit tacked on um because it's just like oh now oh, i have to do the thing where you know uh, i talk about cars and weed and drugs and stuff and this kind of harkens back to you know when rock and roll had their single that they would play on the radio and then the rest of the album would have their good songs on it um with the ones that they wanted to do um and that's where context comes into play though because a lot of the times like and i'm not defending most weed songs are garbage again they're superficial and they're just there for the attention Mm -hmm. but the good artists who do do weed songs like bone thugs and harmony do a bunch of drug songs and stuff what they're doing though is they're saying there is literally no other way for me to find peace because i live in hell Mm. like it's a way of finding comfort and security in in an intrinsically uncomfortable and insecure position in life Mm-hmm. And it's not to glorify them or say it's right. It's to say, like, look at how crap this is that I can't do anything else to smile except for get high. Mm-hmm. Or look at my family members who believe in the words of this song and they just sit on a couch all day and they're addicts. Mm-hmm. Like this Drugs affect everybody in inner city communities. Their right. parents, aunts and uncles, and then the ones who aren't involved in drugs have to deal with it walking to a bus stop every day. Like it's, it's everywhere. It's pervasive and ubiquitous yeah. in the inner city. And to because be that's fair, where you go to sell something hand to hand is where there's lots of people. To be fair, what I've, the, what little I've come across also did contain the theme of, um, every once in a while of, um, lamenting this fact. So like a lot of times, you know, it's like, yeah, we're going to get high. It's going to be so high. We're going to get high. But at the same time, you do get a condemnation of that kind of every once in a while in some music where, you know, they um, will condemn that use or condemn addiction or lament it at least to uh, say that, you know, a lot of times it's just like it's ruining our neighborhoods, that kind of thing. Um, at least- that's sort of what they're articulating when they have one song about selling drugs, glorifying it. Mm-hmm. Another song about doing drugs, glorifying it, mm-hmm. and another song lamenting drugs in their neighborhood, destroying everything around them. Right. It, it all comes down to a lack of um, opportunity for economic opportunity. And when you don't have proper education because they're underfunding inner city schools, because mm-hmm. like the insane solution of our, our administrators and our genius politicians is the school's getting lower grades, we should decrease funding. Like, Oh, we, we should extend the government voucher program to private schools too, because that's fair. 
kids aren't getting like you're splitting the pot of all these public schools who are already <laughs> underfunded so that you can help offset the costs of private schools for people who can already afford private schools my favorite is oh they're so underfunded and everything well, what do we do well we make sure they don't bring guns and drugs to school let's ban guns and drugs it's like let's what? buy metal detectors it's not even us. treating the symptom <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like they'll spend money on security guards instead of a library and yeah. then they'll wonder why crime goes up like libraries and, prevent crime better than security guards no security guard is going to take a bullet for a kid well, yeah. some, but I mean, well, like, you pay for can't both. take a bullet for all the kids. <laughs> you pay for both until the security guard is not needed anymore. Like, save you. No, you like, pay for the libraries, man. Think about this. If you're a gunman, even if you're like some psychopathic killer, are mm-hmm. you going to kill some asshole white dude in a suit with millions of dollars? Or are you going to kill somebody who's trying to better themselves in a library? You don't go attacking people in libraries unless you're like completely off the wall terrorist. Yeah, well, unless you're, yeah, like a one of those school like, shooter types. Even rap songs and stuff establish rules against selling drugs in schools. Mm-hmm. Like they're like schools are. We're not saying they're perfect or safe, but just give the kids a chance. Like mm-hmm. just keep it away from the school. You can do it on the, you know, a block away. But like the <clears> effort <throat> was there, and when gangs started emerging because there was no policing to to prevent crime and and there was a huge insecurity problem like people don't realize how stressful it is just to walk to a bus stop worrying about getting raped every day like that messes with you Mm. going to work at a job you hate for rent you can't afford and having the risk of physical assault every single time you go twice a day like that's insane so they established gangs to help protect the people of their neighborhood. And then the gangs started fighting between each other and yeah. because, they, you know, they were selling drugs and protecting drug dealers because that's how you fund a gang. You, you yeah. Walk into and, a bank and start investment banking with your ill-gotten gains to support your gang. The only way to make money with a gang is with drugs. Well, there are other things that I'm prostitution yeah they're not organized they're okay okay we're not talking that big yeah okay (laughs) i didn't i didn't know how what scale we were at here so oh i'm talking like bloods and crips or whatever oh yeah those guys are into all those guys have their hands in all types of stuff now they do but back in the 90s when they started up and when they started feuding for 10 years there were gang wars and drive-by shootings just because of the color shirt you wore like absolutely insane, but it's, it escalated. It didn't start like that. It started with this insecurity, trying to help my neighbor out, trying to help mm-hmm. the old lady down the street. And then somebody's brother gets killed or beaten up. And then a gang banging is a thing. Now we just beat people up. We don't kill them. We just beat them up. But then violence begets violence begets violence. Someone dies and someone kills someone. Someone kills two people. Like, right. Cause they, they kind of, it seems like it works on a culture of honor where you know they pretend it does but that's just like mafia movies that have no not like that kind of honor kind of more like person not like you know you know this is samurai honor not like that that. it's okay it's more like um what do you call that a small time honor where you can't let a uh slight go you know if someone slights you you're gonna lose face that kind of stuff so you have honor yeah, it's like, well, pretty much where, you know, that guy, that guy glared at you. Are you going to let that guy get away from him? It's like, oh, man, I got to go kick that guy's ass. And so there's a lot of like chest thumping and stuff. Whereas like in our in our culture, I guess, you know, literally 
us to like if we did that it'd be like why are you doing that you don't like you don't need to puff your chest out um but in the north end you absolutely do like oh, yeah. in our city when i was a kid in the north end if somebody starts picking on you and you don't puff your chest out you're you guaranteed like to have a bunch of people try and victimize you well everyone's gonna be like that's a target, target. yeah cause... and they're desperate so it's mm. not that these people are evil or you know they can't be saved it's that you've raised them in a state of desperation for so long that this is their mode of operation they're predators that's what human beings are we're predators. right so you get that line you know the, the 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 line between good and evil runs down the heart of every man and when you're put in such a situation the evil has a tendency to uh grow you know well you do need to do evil things in desperate situations for self-defense you know uh see our lock episode yeah that <laughs> uh, but um you can do violence for good but at the same time desperation can drive people to do some weird like i've seen um north end men at winnipeg um where uh, a guy got through two mag locked door sets of doors to get to to steal some uh, uh memorabilia and now if you don't know what a maglock is it's magnetically sealed doors and this guy got through them somehow and this wasn't some like you know heist guy this was just some guy off the street they found the stuff at a local pawn stop uh, a few um a few uh, uh 100 meters away and uh but desperation makes someone capable of some really interesting and uh stuff and I guess it's also a factor of the drugs and alcohol too. So when you flood a community full of drugs and alcohol and poverty, and you provide them insecurity, that's exactly what they're going to turn out to be. Mm -hmm. They're going to turn out to be violent offenders who rob, thieve, and do drugs. And usually a drug addict will try to sell drugs to support their drug habit because Mm -hmm. it's the only way to make enough money other than stealing to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's a sign of addiction. So addiction being a mental health issue that's not being looked after or treated, of course there's going to be higher crime where there's higher drugs. Wow. So like everything spirals from a, for, from a, a, a frame of neglect mm-hmm. where the taxpaying population who doesn't live in these low-income areas don't want to support these people so it gets worse. And then mm-hmm. they try to segregate them and then they get mad that they're ble- being blamed for being racist. Well... The solution is to stop treating human beings differently based on their economic status. If you believe in the standard of living for your child, someone else's child should have at least a basic standard of living that doesn't make them so hungry or desperate that they stab people. Nobody wants to stab another person. Like Nobody wakes up in the morning thinking, I hope my life gets threatened so I can stab somebody today. They might say it as a form of bravado or puff their chest. Yeah. But this is what leads into the the violence in hip-hop. Like, rap music is very, very violent. But most of that is a form of insecurity, like trying to hype yourself up so you're not afraid. Because showing fear is going to make you more likely to become victimized. Right. It goes back to that culture of honor. Fear equals weakness. Right. And you see how popular hip-hop music is in the ghettos and stuff, and you'll, you'll know exactly why. It's a whole mm. bunch of human beings with feelings and thoughts that they have to squish way down, pretend they don't exist, and act brave and strong so that they can protect their families and friends. Mm-hmm. 
that's a that's a a passion of necessity and if the only like they can't walk into a gunfight or whatever or like anticipate being stabbed or chased down listening to the beatles in yellow submarine you know we all live in a yellow sub while you're toting a gat ready to shoot somebody like you need something that's amped and hyped to get your adrenaline going and just to put on a brave face when you don't have one yeah it's aggressive (laughs) yeah so it's excessively violent for that purpose but it's not just gratuitously violent for no other reason than the expression it's also always constrained by the poetry it gets back to the art form so instead of focusing on um the superficiality of the words themselves you got to think about like what would drive a person to produce these words and oh look how intricate that pattern scheme is Mm -hmm. and this is what makes kanye west awful is that he doesn't (laughs) do any of this he just says words that aren't even coherent and puts them together and he's he's a brilliant producer like he makes music and beats that are catchy mm-hmm. he's an awful writer he's an awful speaker he has no message whatsoever but people like tupac and public enemy and bone thugs and harmony chino excel uh, immortal technique there are like countless guys even reggaeton has tons of these guys like mm-hmm. kalanji and uh, madis yahoo I remember Immortal Technique. That was very aggressive. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend Immortal Technique if you're no. new to hip hop. But no, <laughs> if you I like was plays, The guy is very literate. I liked him during my um, your last phase. You, my 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 kind of revolutionary phase, my fire breathing phase, because he hit that itch that uh, that really was going through. Because I don't know, for some reason, I identified with it. I'm just white guy. Um, paying my way through university but i was kind of desperate at that time uh and i thought destroying the system was good and he just was like yeah but that's what i mean hip-hop's not about skin color like i used to hear it all the time when i started rapping back in the 90s when i was a kid um people say you're too white to do i'm like then you don't understand hip-hop if you think it has anything to do with skin color then you've never listened to hip-hop mm-hmm because if well, you hip hop, they would talk about skin color because there was a disparity, not because they're better than you. It was because why are you treating us like less? It's mm-hmm. totally the opposite. It's like, um, it's not exclusive to be into hip hop. You don't right. have to be a certain way or a certain color, or you don't have to be a violent person or somebody who loves drugs and drinking. You can listen to it just to understand other human beings who you're ignoring right and that's the point it's it's a media it's the they didn't put these editorials out in the free press and stuff for people to read nobody knew this culture existed of desperate people they just Mm -hmm. pushed them off into a corner threw some tax money at them so that they weren't desperate enough to all revolt at the same time and get organized Mm -hmm. but it was just enough to keep them suppressed and in low-paying jobs that they could profit from them well this kind of showed up in my life a bit where i would i've done some really odd jobs um security being one of them retail being probably slightly worse (laughs) but i would engage with um a lot of times just the worst humanity had to offer in winnipeg and uh from every wavelength and you know i'd tell stories and my wife uh who i was dating at the time just didn't believe me because she was from 
uh, suburban, you know, the nice part of town and um, just didn't like oh, Jordan, people don't act like that. People wouldn't say that people wouldn't do that. It's just like people wouldn't just like, I don't know, I've got a scar to prove it, but they do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, they would just come up to you and do that. And they, I don't know if I want to tell any of these stories on, on here. No, you really don't have to. I'm not going to tell my war stories. <laughs> yeah. And so this ignorance, which she um, now realizes because she works now with a lot of underprivileged people, um, seems so PC to say it like that. Um, God, I hate saying PC stuff. Uh, but the to say this and she'll come home with stories like the ones I'm talking about. I'm working in the healthcare field that she works in uh, about all these um, underprivileged people and um, the stuff they said, the stuff they're going through, their um, strange ignorance that they might have uh, and kind of now goes back and says, okay, now I understand by engaging with these people, she sees that the desperation, the, uh, the, and some of that evil, um, is there. And it's mostly like, roused by fear. That's yeah. Oh, most well, that's more. They pretend like it's just some inherent trait to these people when everybody has the capacity to be afraid, mm -hmm. but they'll justify it to themselves. And they'd be like, well, why'd you run that red light? Well, I thought the guy behind me was going to hit me. That's a fear. Well, yeah. what if the guy walking up behind you with, with a bat and just like dragging on the ground and talking all shit, you know, like that's a real threat. Like that's an actual threat. Yeah. And Versus he's like, doing that because he's afraid. Evil is always right. afraid. And then your reaction is because you're afraid and that's out of preservation uh, or um, a lack of understanding. do this too. This is how we have oh, wars that are nonsense. Yeah. They oh, yeah. react out of fear. Like look at Ukraine and, and like the Russia um ukrainian border thing russia says hey stop piling nato forces at my border you're making me insecure they say we'll never stop pushing nato so russia's mm -hmm. like okay well i'm gonna reinforce my border then and they're like how dare you reinforce your border russia are you trying well, to start a war one that's played out already because we can't really we don't really know about that one yet but one thing we do know about is vietnam you have um Sorry, short of breath there for a second. Um, where you have the Truman Doctrine of containment of communism. Now, communism was um, right up there with Nazism. Fight me. Um, but one of the things about communism is it was such a bad economic system that you didn't really need to contain it. You could just do what the Americans did with the Soviet Union and just let it slowly die, which sucks for everyone in the Soviet Union because they have to suffer for three generations while their country slowly dies. Um, or, but what they did was a proactive um, thing instead of just letting Vietnam die uh, and letting South Vietnam, the bad, horrible democracy that um, Diem was in charge of there, Diem was absolutely corrupt. Um, just the same as the North um, under Ho Chi Minh. Fight me, Ho Chi Minh was corrupt. <laughs> um, they should have just left well enough alone and just let the cancer kill itself you know kind of like a forest fire running out of fuel um instead of just getting involved in all this this nonsense um 
I think we've got well, I'd say that that stuff is 2020, but what I'm talking about is yeah. the human nature. Even the educated, highly esteemed leaders of countries fall prey and victims yes. exact same cycle of fear begets violence, begets fear, begets violence. Mm-hmm. This is exactly what hip hop is articulating, but they're using Ebonics, so people don't listen to it the same way as a Harvard grad or as somebody from Cambridge or Oxford talking about social injustice. Well, and that's kind of the, and I, and I, someone who's an academic, that's kind of the beauty of it. Cause why should they care what a Harvard professor thinks of their music? And it's, huh. it's the height of cringe when, um, you know, you have black studies departments, which is just sociology with a narrower focus, but you, um, and you have like that. And then they look at, you know, the critical analysis of Tupac Shakur on, on, you know, late nineties. It's just so like, I understand why they're doing it. And I understand that they can do it, but you're miss. It's just as an academic, it seems like they're missing the point. Um, they're treating it at, and as from an academic perspective, they're not talking to you, even if you are, you know, But in a philosophical debate or the philosophy faculty, that would be perfectly acceptable to have that type of analysis. Yes. You know what Uh, I mean? Because that's what philosophy is. It's just breaking things apart and then writing something creative on top of what you've broken apart scientifically. Right. So I I wouldn't say that they shouldn't do it. I would just say that they should do it and put it in music theory and put it in creative writing and put it in poli-sci. Well, you do get- It should be everywhere. And I think, oh man, I wish I had this person on hand because I do know a bunch of people that went to the music faculty and there was someone I believe that was looking at this and that seems like the proper place for it because Mm -hmm. it's music and the poetry faculty seems like it's it's better for there because when you analyze it anthropologically, you're taking the message out and saying, well, why are they doing this from a structural or from a postmodern? Let's analyze it like poetry. Let's find the deeper meaning rather than discussing it politically because to me that's like a study of context and it's really hard to sit there with a textbook and teach Mm -hmm. people to think about context yeah this what was what is what is biggie really trying to say here it's like (laughs) in the door waving my (laughs) 4-4 what even is a 4-4 i don't know i've never seen a firearm in my entire life (laughs) but the thing about it is like a lot of it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Half oh, yes. of an album is really fun. I think that's underplayed, and I think that's underplayed on a lot of stuff. You, you, I, I, I know you just brought it up willy nilly, but I. No, it's a huge part of rap. It's, it's just like I want to see how many weird rhymes I can stick together, so I just say anything to do this one thing. Right. Another way would be like I want to make a bunch of funny rhymes. So you have another song that's about like falling over a table trying to pick up a girl, like. Mm. Half of albums are nonsense intentionally because it's either about the lyrics where they found a really neat, intricate beat that they don't know how to make another song out of, but they want to, you know, promote the producer. Another one could be like, they're not all like political statements. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, my album is, but I don't write like most other people. Right. I, and fluff. I think that's the conceit of a lot of like, when you look back on the civil rights music and everyone's like, oh, the music isn't political more. It doesn't mean anything. And then you go listen to ACDC. It's like, okay, okay, practicing what you preach. But the thing is, is that music isn't just political. It's um, 
kind of transcends politics to something because that that fun aspect to it that play where you're playing with each other and, and you're sounds and cadences and rhythms and structures like you're just yeah, bending the rules a little bit here and there. you're just flowing into it and it works best when you are just flowing into it and you're just kind of letting it happen and it doesn't need to be political unless like that's you know i can't believe they did this and then you just rap about it because that's what's flowing that day but another day it just be, might be like i really like my pistol <laughs> and that's fine <laughs> because that's what's flowing for that person uh, that's the you know they're following if i want to bring it back to philosophy they're abiding according to their logos uh, mm -hmm. their flow their zen their their dao they're following a path and the music is kind of I don't know, how do i say this the music's kind of the street all music and poetry and a lot of art but mostly music and poetry seems like it's the the stream itself <laughs> And yeah. it's a radiation of character and like qualitative values, not quantitative, measurable quanta yeah. values, but like a person's character will shine through in an album. In a they good can't album. Hide if they like making jokes, they're going to squeeze in a couple jokes here and there because they can't help it. Actually, you talk about love a lot. It's because they have a lot of love in their heart. I take so, that back. You, Someone you don't like come Viper. Up with stuff off the top of your head and write it down and then record it and then listen to yourself and then publish it without actually believing in what mm. you're writing unless you're somebody who's just writing superficial crap yeah or and superficial crap nonsense. is really easy to spot mm. or where you like oh i'm gonna do a rap album about the 2008 election it's like that's gonna age very well <laughs> it's, that's gonna be for the flow that's going right now and that's not gonna be for any other flow uh, like you list you there's still songs that people listen to in from like the late 80s early 90s because they hit something that's fundamental and more timeless than um than just you know what was going on at the moment like it's strange but everyone in society can understand fuck the police <laughs> and you listen I to never it never like that song to be honest it hits though it hits so hard for so many people it's like it's round for a reason and but it's like if i'm mad at my dad doesn't mean that all dads are assholes like it's an right. ignorant statement to make right from the outside. oh no it is it's but you understand it right yeah i just i think it caused more harm than good but that's probably just because i was raised in the 90s and they were raised in the 70s and 80s mm -hmm. like it's probably just a generation difference right um and you but like you get the same thing in the same sentiment in a different um but eminem really spoke to me when i was growing up oh i never really listened to eminem it was always playing but i never listened to it uh his radio songs are awful but yeah. every album has legit about two or three songs that are like phenomenal like songs i listen to today are stuff from 1999. Mm -hmm. his was... first album with dre um rock bottom was on there uh I just don't give a F, still don't give a F. Those are two different songs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brain Damage was one that really spoke to me. <laughs> not not because of the name of the song, but it was about growing up. Just well, title being doesn't... bored and being insecure and small and weak and all the stuff that people are scared to say. He would say it outright. Well, and the fact that he, he's able to say something like that to a crowd of people that he's... Well, you're on stage. 
So the, the dynamic is such that you are placing yourself in a position of potential alpha for that moment um, in, in that stage. So you're saying, okay, I'm going to talk about how vulnerable I feel in society. Yeah. And if you can pull it's that basically off. basically the man's version of the vagina monologues. Like it's a performance on insecurity, straight mm -hmm. up. And, and men do have to do that differently because of his wordplay, like his ability to mince words and make um, really clever puns, but not just like, oh, this word has two meanings. This word has two meanings in this sentence mm -hmm. while rhyming three times in the same sentence while sticking to a theme from the stanza prior. Like he's really, really brilliant when he tries, but he makes some awful, awful fucking music. Like, it's just, it's not like everything from a good artist is good. That's not how art works. No. But in hip hop, even the ugly stuff you, you put out, whereas most other forms of art, you only show people your best work. Well, I never should, like, do that. I always every show album, there's a my work. song that you skip. No matter what album it is, there's a song you skip because you're just like, oh. And then... always, though, like Trouble Charger, Third Eye Blind, they made like full cover to cover albums that are just brilliant front to back every time. Well, it's because they're writing an album. They're not writing songs. Yeah. Um, you get something like... Um... But they edit out so many songs that don't make it in, is what mm -hmm. I mean. Whereas oh. hip-hop, they'll just throw in extra stuff that they played around with in the studio. That's why oh, they put yeah. out like two albums a year. <laughs> well, you get someone like Viper, who just, you know, what was it, 400... Uh, he like 283 albums a year, and they're all just garbage one of them is literally uh it's a joke um but i think he's serious but uh but that's just, the statement it's not the music it's the pushing out of the music that's his right statement. and he his, his his thing is pro prolific but he his big song that everyone uh, noticed was like y'all cowards don't even smoke crack what's up with that and that 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 those two lines that i spoke there that's the entire song it's y'all cowards don't even smoke crack what's up with that and that's it he just repeats it and it's yeah, got that's a, a joke line. to me that's a guy a with joke. a sense of humor <laughs> i don't know but the it's... thing is what he's doing is he's making fun of other people who make garbage rap i actually that's don't know with that guy because he's Without a lawyer making a record saying i hate bad rap like the way i did it <laughs> he's making intentionally shit music to say like so. look at all you clowns stop it I really hope so. Well, yeah, the, nobody the, would, the alternative is look how much work he'd be putting into such garbage. If you like, that is the statement to put out that many records is to show how many people are putting out garbage and calling it gold. And you can tell this too from like the hip hop magazines and stuff. Who just he'll give you know five mics to every new album from something that sells well, but they yeah. don't give five mics to stuff that doesn't sell well, even if it's genius. Like, it's insane to me that Eminem never won an award on, um, on Benzino's, what do you call it, his magazine. I don't even read hip-hop magazines. But no. The biggest one out there. You're asking the wrong guy. <laughs> but Eminem's had like five platinum albums. Like, how is this guy not qualified? Oh, because he dissed you? Oh, yeah, that's real mature. <laughs> so another big part to the hip-hop thing is the, the humor in it. Um, it's a way of being lighthearted about serious situations. See our, our levity episode. This oh, is yeah. where we get it from. So even though there's drive-bys in the streets and gunfire going off and crack dealers in your neighborhood and, you know, single family homes and you're getting evicted in poverty and like all these problems are piling up on top of people. 
they still have a sense of humor about it. Like they still want to sit and congregate and talk about their problems with a smile and find that commiserating, uh, the comfort in commiserating. And that is deeply and intrinsically human. We all do that. That's like the thing about poetry around a campfire is people doing that. But the difference with hip hop and spoken word is spoken word sounds so cheesy. You just need something there to guide the rhythm and to find the four bars, to find that G chord that you can yeah. land on or land on. That's what you do here. Because you can't with poetry. So well, that's why I like you go to like I, I can appreciate poetry. Like I love Tennyson. You read it and you're just like, oh, it's so good. But you don't read Tennyson. Um, it, it, it has a lyrical aspect to it. You read, you read it for um, the wordplay. You read it for the story. You <laughs> literally, um, and you lead, read it for the meaning because you know as you read it, it unpacks. That's the genius of Tennyson um, and stuff like that. Same with Shakespeare. It's the story and the the rhythm accentuates the story for like so you get like I've gone to poetry readings I've kind of hosted them uh, one of my jobs I've had a lot of jobs um, and it would it would be a bit of cringe they just get up there read their poem and everyone would be like oh that was so beautiful and I'd be like that was crap <laughs> just, just clap if it's good clap <laughs> Jeez, yuppies and so. To me, that that sorry, I just what I was getting at was the the background that that the the beat the that 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 beat that you guys I've seen you guys just buy one, put it on a song, and say good enough because it the beat doesn't matter as much as the lyrics, but it adds a certain gravitas to the lyrics that it also I don't, differentiates songs. What's that yeah, song about where he's talking about the government and you remember the beat to it? Then you can, it helps you remember the lyrics to it too. Mm-hmm. Like if all songs were just spoken word, you'd never know the name of any song because they'd all just blend together. You need something just to differentiate the one where you said that thing. Mm-hmm. It is, it's, I mean, it's nice if the beat is nice. Don't get me wrong. But like, that's not the point of the song. No. Like you're not listening to it for the instrumental usually. It's right. just a bonus if it has a nice instrumental. Well, and there are bands for that. Um, I'm thinking of something like Yes, where you do not listen to lyrics. You listen for the instrumental. That thing's pretty much a guitar symphony. Um, mm, or Which is amazing. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a different type of music. I kind of wish there was more like experimental, long form, just music instead of just... Because they have all these new sounds that they've come out with in the last 10 years and nobody's using them to any effect. And I, well, I'm sure someone popular. will soon. There's a lot of artists out there. Like Norm, my stepdad comes up with tons and tons of experimental progressive rock from indie groups and because everybody's got like a home studio now because mm-hmm. of technology being so much cheaper yeah. than it used to be. It used to be like 300 grand for a studio. But what was 300 grand in the year 2000 is now like two grand. You can get a $200 microphone. It's better than the old studio microphones. They got Pro Tools boards that are 15 to 20 grand just for the mixing station. You can do it all on software on a $300 laptop. Like, I mean, it's slow and it takes time, but. Unless you have Linux. The fact that, no, it's. To <laughs> I mean, get the equivalent audio processing out, it's slow. Yeah. Like, to, get, to put in a DSer or a compressor, you got to sit and wait for it, right? Yeah, I know. I'm just but plugging. It's possible. It wasn't possible before. No, because like you had to buy a metric ton of like an analog equipment that yeah, like you, you, know, had you had to lug around, gear that was which means just you for need that a task. truck, you know, at least a truck, probably a cube. 
um, one of those cube trucks and you got to lug it around to wherever you're going, which it's an investment. Like now, yeah, everyone's just popping out stuff, which means we have a lot of experimentation. Uh, and I'm sure there's going to be some genius to come out of it, but I think right now we're getting a bunch of fluff. But the issue is we destroyed the music industry through digital content, right? Mm -hmm. They were sitting on their laurels for so long, collecting all of these royalties and stuff from albums because people were forced to buy a whole album for $20 on a CD just for two songs that they liked. Now they can pay $1.99. It goes straight to Apple. They get 30 cents of that, and they only get that one song worth of income instead of 20 songs worth of income. Mm -hmm. And there were bands releasing eight-track albums, like eight songs. You pay 15 to $20 for the whole whole album. Yeah. But we were allowed to share them between each other before, so we didn't outgrow that either. I still want my digital content for cheap, but I also want to be able to share it with my friends. And I don't Mm -hmm. just mean me. I mean, like, we haven't figured out the industry yet. So the record executives and the companies, they have zero budget to play with experimental because the shareholders force them for profit. And there's almost no profit in experimental music because you need like 50 of them to get one that the public really likes. It's way cheaper to just back all your funds into one or two horses and then pay the radio to play it enough that people find it familiar enough that that's all they know and listen to. Well, and that's how you get real. That's the path to getting really big. But there's a lot of guys online I know that are just putting like making a you like doing exactly what we're doing here, making a YouTube channel instead of just uh, talk, talking pedantically about stuff that interests them. They put their music on there, and uh, that's I think the harder route because then you have to rely on the quality of your music, and you actually have to try instead of just paying it's kind of like it's the same with books where you know you 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 get it into chapters and then you pay chapters enough money enough millions of money so that they put your book on a front facing side and if you get enough money put in they'll stick it anywhere which is why if you see it generally don't buy a book that you see like thing and it's the same no i guess that's just pay to win but and that's sort of the problem with the art model that we have right now um, it's used to stash money and it's used to move money and it's yeah. used to make money. Um, that's not how art really works the best though. Yeah. But on the flip side, you have people like who just make music because it's in their heart. And those are usually the best musicians and they can do it at home and they don't need to be paid. So on the one hand, you're not getting as many quality professional artists as you used to because there's no variety in the in the record labels and nobody's getting them deals and right. all that. But on the flip side, people who are just born artists to do art or whatever and who enjoy it from the bottom of their soul, any one of them can learn to produce and publish their own music without needing to be beholden to a record label. Mm-hmm. And that expands the music um, what do you call that? The event horizon of all music. I think more than it contracts. Yeah, I agree. The record companies do contract music in that all they're pushing and selling and putting on the front shelf is that garbage uh, Bruno Mars and, you know, Selena Gomez, like over and over. I don't want to pinpoint names so ignore that i said names. not naming names but their initials are bruno mars <laughs> I, I don't actually know i've never listened to his music so i shouldn't no. say that or, all i've uh, heard is radio and i can't say don't criticize rap rappers for what they put on the radio well i can't really criticize the crap i hear on the radio either technically speaking yeah but i mean well, 
I don't like hearing the same thing every single day, five times a day. But a lot of people do. A lot of people find comfort in the familiarity more than the music itself. Right. And most people listening to the radio, it's background music at work. Yeah, to me, I can't office, ignore it. construction site or whatever. I cannot ignore it because I remember when I was at Starbucks, um, uh, I would, uh, they'd have music on all the time and everyone would be working, working, working. And I'd be like, the lyrics to this song are absolutely like they're driving me insane. Like this song has such a terrible message. Like why? And they'd be like, no, I love this. this. Yeah. It's just, and I'd be sitting there and I'd be like doing like song analysis because I couldn't not, it's just kind of the way it's wired and I can't just ignore things. So people would be like, Jordan, you need to stop complaining. You need blah, blah, blah. And like, stop playing crappy music. So I would find, yeah. I'd go and I learned how to use the little music thing so that it only played classical music while I was playing and which was better. Cause I'm just like, okay, I can handle this on repeat better than I can handle, you know, it ruined, uh, uh, I actually, um, what do you call that? It ruined uh, the gorillas for me for some reason. And then it also, uh, Bossa Nova worked. I really liked working to that because I couldn't understand the lyrics because they were all in Spanish. Um, and it had a nice, um, it's like Cuban. It was like oh. Cuban. I was thinking of Brazil. Yeah, that, well, that whole area probably has that genre where that, that upbeat, folky, Hispanic tune. But um that was fun to listen to but i couldn't the, the when it repeat when something repeats too often i get aggravated and i can't just like i don't know i i can't do it so i need something new but when you only play like the radio will play the same eight songs over and over again because they know that's profitable because they don't want to take a risk because they're scared and that kills innovation and we need innovation in art we need to be encouraging people to do stupid wacky and uncomfortable things with art and the ones that take will take like but on the same know. token real music enthusiasts don't listen to the radio all day yeah they have their own music collection and they listen to the new stuff that they spend time invested in to find new stuff and mm -hmm. they play that so like that's why i'm kind of okay with it now it used to really 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 bother me because like yeah. the radio was everywhere like it was at schools it was on buses and right all so hotel lobbies the radios for people like my father-in-law who but now with streaming wants service. to rock out to acdc all the time and doesn't care and then the 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 new stuff stuff for my brother-in-law who wants that new cutting edge stuff and will go look for the weirdest crazy stuff ever but they got XM radio and stuff for that now is what yeah. i'm saying so they have different radio before there was a limited number of radio stations you could listen to there was the rock one the country one the pop one the oldies one and you know the mix yeah and you could just go buy you could just go like there's different there's tons of different services now not just but radio now there are hundreds and hundreds yeah. of thousands of channels through the internet so mm. the, the game has changed so much that it, it's not I don't think, I think it's too early to say whether or not it's going to have a detrimental impact on people. Because on the one hand, I do believe that everybody should be exposed to new music, but it's not like the radio doesn't play anything new. Every six months, they kind of rotate in a new song, right? So they're still hearing new things, but they're not into music very much to begin with. So it's mm. marginal utility gain from every new artist they hear. If they don't like it, they don't like it, right? Mm -hmm. And not everybody so, has to be into music, but the point is, um, or sort of the point that I'm trying to make with it is the industry has changed so much 
that it's it's hard to even say where it's going now. Well, not and that's just kinda... because of record labels, but also because of production equipment and because of availability of uh, through the internet. So, yeah. like, you don't need an FM radio station if you've got Spotify to stream ACDC. You could just find a radio channel that is we're the ACDC radio channel. You know, ACDC's got enough songs. They got like three hundred songs, I think. Well, maybe they all sound hard. exactly the same. <laughs> <laughs> but you could just play a whole endless loop of ACDC tracks, and that would repeat less than your pop radio on FM. Yeah. Um, so one of the things, and it's kind of one of the things about music. I'm gonna kind of move forward a bit. Is that, and like with anything that evolves, it came from something, multiple things, and it kind of became its own thing, and then it's gonna move on and it's kind of become it, it was to from my perspective it kind of became its own thing in various genres and subgenres, and it's kind of melded with a lot of act like maybe i'm making a purist argument but is it gone is it like on its last legs or are we just going to keep hearing the same stuff for a while or is it going to turn into something new um soon because it just feels like it's it's been around for a long time this isn't something new um but i don't i don't really understand the question to be honest because it never uh, stopped changing right i mean when i was doing it i started doing it with electronic music because nobody was writing rap to electronic beats Mm. i just thought it was awesome to use synthesizers and like rave music was my thing back then i started djing with electronica then other other rappers started doing it and I'm like, oh, they did it better than me. That's pretty cool. And then I picked up guitar and I was like, I want some beats with like guitar solos and stringy um, plucking and stuff in it. And I did that for a bit. And then like other artists started coming out with similar stuff and they were better at it. And I was like, awesome. It's always been this type of evolution where they, they throw in like Linkin Park did one with uh, uh, electric guitars because they're like rock rap. Mm-hmm. They did electric guitars, turntables for the beats and like a blow flute, a wind flute, or a pan flute, or whatever. Oh, right, yeah. One of those Peruvian flutes. And they made like a hit single with a Peruvian flute, a turntable, and a bass and electric guitar. Like, that's awesome. And that was back in, what, 2005 or something? So oh, like, yeah. Hip-hop has been evolving. Like, rock picked it up, some 41, made a bunch of... Um, uh like they made a whole album that was like a rock rap album just because their drummer stevie was like or steve-o is super into rap because he's a drummer obviously he's into rap you get like those gorilla album gorillas albums that had um and a lot of their songs had uh rap interludes where you know you'd get this soft beat and then you get a rock beat and then they'd move into a rap beat and then they'd move back in and move in and out that was kind of one of the things that set them apart in the late 90s well the main thing with the gorillas though was that the singer was part of blur a really progressive rock band so like they took a prog rock influence into a hip-hop influence and they made a new thing Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm sort of saying is that all of hip-hop has always been about mingling sounds and tunes Mm -hmm. so you've got um um I'm trying to think of the artist off the top of my head, but maybe it'll come to me later. But you've got artists that take um, classical music a lot and they'll remix classical music, which I absolutely adore because it's so epic, but it's really hard to do. Yeah. You've got excellent classical music rap. Oh, um, oh, it starts with an A. Artificial. 
and they're just like some band camp indie indie group but there's like they're a big band they're eight people they play brass and guitar and string instruments and they they make rap out of orchestra and it's just phenomenal mm. and they don't have a record label you just pay them direct through an app like we've we've got so much interesting hip-hop out there that i don't understand why anybody would think that it's not going to evolve because that's all it's ever done well i think there's i think there's a stigma associated with it which informs a lot of people so you have people who think they know what it is and i like you can't really like when you say hip-hop or rap a lot of times i just uh you you think of the very stereotypical um you know uh what they would the people call gangster rap where you know they're rapping about shooting people and selling drugs and stuff like that and it's it's kind of a way of saying i don't want to i don't want to engage with it or i don't I just want to have it be that thing in my head, but at the same time, um, at what point does it start to become something else? I think that was what my previous question was trying to get at. Like, what point does it no longer become hip hop, or no longer become I uh, and become something on its own? But I guess that's just when something comes becomes itself distinct in its own natural way that we can't predict. Um, well, maybe but, the way I'd answer that then is to say that hip hop is just the exclusion of singing. Like the thing that defines rap is the fact that it's lyrically centered and not melodically centered. Mm-hmm. It's basically the only definition. So you right. can slap it with bossa nova or rumba or swing music. You can throw it with electronica. You can throw it with any, as long as, as long as you're speaking in complex rhyming patterns, that's what hip hop is. So it doesn't matter what instruments you put behind it or what time scheme you have or how quick or slowly you do it. Um, the only differentiating quality is that it's it's about the lyrics and not about, like you said before, it's not about the hook. It's not about the, the repeating part. Mm-hmm. It's about the verses. <laughs> yeah. The repeating part gives you a break from the verses so that you have time to process the verse. Yeah, what was he saying? Whereas, <laughs> most radio tracks and pop songs are about the... The, the verse just leads you into the, the epic part of the song, and then you repeat the best part of the song over and over again. Hip hop's yeah. the exact opposite. The best part is the verse. And that's the only differentiating quality from other styles of music. Mm-hmm. And so I guess one criticism nowadays would be that it's – I don't know, you get a lot of pop rap where it isn't really about anything. It's just kind of about, and it does kind of sound like it's got the hook, but it does have that same flavor to it, but it seems a bit diluted and pushed out the door. Diluted. Yeah. Um, Or I don't even know. I'm trying to avoid sounding like a curmudgeon old white guy. (laughs) I don't even know if that's, I'm successful here, but. No, but that, that's an example of record executives saying, hey, there's money in hip hop. We need in. Who do we support? Mm-hmm. And you just and it, find any guy who's making any amount of following or fan base or whatever. Doesn't matter if they're good or not, if they pay. Well, if I think this. Are to pay to listen to this dude show up at a concert. That's the guy you sign a record label to. And once you sign a record label, you're on, you're on the circuit. Mm-hmm. You get the radio play. You make people familiar with the song so that they say, I like this guy because of this one song. And then you've got word of mouth and you get Grammys and you get press. That's how that's the record right. side of music. 
And then it becomes, to me, it's like an episode of The Simpsons where they just, instead of telling jokes, uh, which is what made The Simpsons, and every once in a while they'd have a guest star on, right? But then it slowly became more about, hey, look, it's this guy. And then that would that would carry the show. And it became the status quo. Whereas now it seems like um, a lot of times you are there for the guy to come up and say, yo, it's me. I'm me. Come here. Look at me. Which is always kind of what was inherent to rap. You know, the, the, the beginning, they're all just announcing who they are, which is kind of. Oh, I hate like, that. And but that, clue, 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 clue. <laughs> <laughs> and you get that becoming the the genre in itself or the the diluted aspect of the genre the corporate aspect because they can leverage the name they can't leverage some piece of meaning because what's like how do you market a, a meaningful um thought and well what's easier to market the guy let's just put the guy out there just yell your name and we'll put it out there and it, it seems i'm just complaining about corporate rap i guess but it just seems like the message isn't what's being put out much anymore but and i'm that, sure there's lots of people doing that i'm like but that's not what people are seeing so this is what they think it is and so again it's inherent to the style though so as soon as you abandon the melody for lyrical depth then you need thought and attention and context for the song to know if it's good or not to know mm-hmm. if you like it or not, right? Right. If you're listening to it in the background, you'll never get that. So the radio isn't favorable to hip hop that you haven't heard before, unless you're sitting there listening and paying attention to the radio, which most people aren't doing on FM. They're right. listening to the background while they work. So it's really, really hard for a record executive to justify paying somebody um, to speak on a record with a statement that is anti-record company and anti-corporate, yeah. anti-government and anti-political, and they're swearing in it and it's abusive and people hate the, the jingoism. Like there's so much to it for, for advertisers to hate. They just don't even bother. Mm-hmm. So the odd time you'll get something really good on there, but it's after they've already established themselves like Tupac. He didn't just get on the radio because somebody heard a song once. He got on the radio because they couldn't deny how big his following was. Right. It wasn't until after he was super famous that he got on the radio. Same like Kanan got on the radio right away because he got a record deal. But he got a record deal because he made a song where he sings. Not because of his rap. He made awesome rap music before he started singing. I really did like his songs though. But I liked his songs because of the meaning. Like, Smile While You're Bleeding really hit me here while I was sitting there bleeding to get through school. Nobody's heard that song before because it wasn't on the Waving Flags album. (laughs) It wasn't on his FIFA album, so we heard it. That's where he was famous from because the Wave Your Flag, which I couldn't stand because it was just, it sounded like every other like pop album. Yeah, an anthem with the O-A-O-A-O's in it. And I just, you know. I I don't mind that. It's just a different type of music. To me, that's not rap. It's not hip hop to sing an anthem. I think part of that comes from just me personally being skeptical of anything that sounds overly happy. Like I don't, I don't hate happiness. I'm actually can be a quite a happy guy. You're but if skeptical of it. I'm skeptical of 
unnecessary happiness. Like, why are you happy? I just want a thousand bucks. Oh, that's an actually good reason to be happy. All right, good job. Uh, mm. Or I just got a job. All right. It's like, why are you happy? Because I need to be happy. It's like, why? Because you're getting paid to you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, and that's kind of, that was also the time around when I was working at Starbucks where they're like, just smile and don't like you're paid to smile. It's like, no, (laughs) he's giving Uh, people what they want. And that's what a record company is going to push you to do. Yeah. That's why bands like corn, even though they're not rap, they have the same type of, um, what do you call that? What if you get some guy behind a desk and like, what if you put some, you know, raps in it <laughs> and corn is like a heavy rock industrial type of music right and the, yeah. the record label was pissing them off because they were trying to tell them what to write so they wrote a single called y'all want a single say fuck that <laughs> and then they made a music video where they're tearing down all these like record store albums and the shelves and stuff and they just threw it at the record company and said that's our single publish it or don't like stop trying to tell us what to do with our music. Yeah. That's exactly what rappers had to do. Well, still have to do. Was it some 41 or blink 182 where they the record label was just like, you're going to write songs that we can sell as ringtones. Yeah. I think that was blink. <laughs> yeah. Tom and they were- made like three other, um, spinoff, uh, groups and they all got super popular cause he's a wicked musician. Mm-hmm. Uh, Angels and airways was one. Blink-182 is the other. Uh, Travis Barker did his own indie thing. Uh, he actually did some work with a rapper, Royce the Five Nine. He did a song with, uh, oh, and um, what's the other name? I think he did a song with Obi Trice, too, who was one of Eminem's pupils. Okay. I'm, I'm anyway, sitting here going, yeah, yeah, oh, yeah I know these things. <laughs> so what, what I was going to transition to from there was another interesting thing about the hip-hop culture and the hip-hop music is they support each other. You don't mm-hmm. often see like Rolling Stones lift up a band that his brother's doing in a garage. Yeah. I... Like Kevin Bacon did it. He got super famous and then he joined his brother's band just to help his brother get popular. But he just enjoys music and performing. Like that's totally a Kevin Bacon thing to do. Mm-hmm. But like hip hop artists like like religiously lift up everyone around them and try to give them jobs and get them famous too. Yeah, that's something that seem does seem inherent because you do there's a there seems to be from the outside looking in, there seems to be a lot of just inherent collaboration. Um, you get them saying, All right, we're here, this song's with this guy and this guy and this guy, and you're like, I don't know half these guys, but now and you that's know how them. you hear new music though when mm-hmm. you don't have the radio, it's through features. Like mm-hmm. that is marketing. And that's what's so brilliant about hip hop is it's totally a word of mouth, like grassroots yeah a way of moving which is i think you know i i could say but that seems to be why it's successful is because it's bottom up it's the sound that people understand and when you push stuff from uh i don't know like the, the that one song oh, there was that one song from Nicki minaj the only reason i know it is because um what's his name jeez uh, uh, uh it was uh the madness of crowds guy brought it up and um he i'm not familiar with her sorry oh yeah the only reason i know it is because um douglas murray brought it up in his book um no i know uh, the name but i, I don't yeah. listen to her music yeah so essentially she's just sitting there shaking her butt and that's very top down this is what 
And the, the, the thing the to me is up. that it's <laughs> the bottom up. <laughs> but the thing to me is like, this is what they think we want to hear. This is like, it's sex. They're selling you on spectacle and they're selling you and it's, it's very blatant. And when they, when you say it's not blatant, they're like, oh, well, you're just being sexist against women or you're just, you don't like black people. It's like, I don't like that music. It's, yeah. it's dumb. And when it's, a simpleton hears that, they think I can do that. I could be a famous rapper. And that's they, why you get so much of it. Yeah. And then you get stupid girls all over the internet shaking their butt thinking, this is how I get rich. Meanwhile, the actual message that people want to hear is coming up from the multitude of people coming up from the, the everyday lower and middle-class people. Yes. The middle-class too, where they just, I have something I want to say. And rap is that it seems to me. And that's why I think the music in the sixties and the seventies was so hit so hard for those people is because that's what it was. You get people just sitting around being like, I'm going to sing this. And all of a sudden everyone's just like, yes, what that guy said, what, um, uh, what's his name? We talked about him earlier. Oh, jeez. Talking about a lot of people. <laughs> nah, uh, the guy who cut, who gets covered, uh, the guy from the sixties. Bob Dylan. Yeah. Cause everyone, Bob Dylan would just say stuff and everyone would be like, totally. I get that. Like they wouldn't even understand it yet, but they'd be like, yes. Yeah, and, and Jacob Dylan, his son did the same thing with wallflowers. Again, cover yeah. to cover albums, just brilliant music. Oh yeah. And that's, that's why, that's why music hits is cause not cause of the beat. Cause a beat can just be replaced by any other catchy beat. Well, this is catchy. And then you get another beat. Oh, this is also catchy. I like listening to this, but when something has some depth to it, it comes up and that's why, you know, this will always triumph for this. And this is just copying. So you have like a timeline here and you have the top down copying what was in the bottom five years before. And I don't know. Uh, I think to me, like the best is if you can find somebody who's so obscenely talented that they can do all three. If they can produce something that's not only catchy, but has an awesome hook to land on that people love the melody of, and they can write something with depth so when you hear it for the 10th time you catch a new pun or a new yeah. wordplay it then it's got retain uh retention right like well, that's the power of listening well that's you can also do that while performing those people are just the best artists in the world in my mm-hmm. opinion and that's why when you gave me some stuff and i i like and i'd like throw away some of it be like ah this is crap or ah this is good and i'd pick up a couple that were like that I listened to and I listened to it like a book I found because yeah. I'd listen, I listen to audiobooks obsessively. And when I say obsessively, I'm not, I mean, obsessively. Uh, and, um, I would listen to some of these songs that you give me. I think, uh, Sage Francis was one immortal technique. I uh, you could dig into them. Um, now I don't really like them much anymore because I kind of moved past it, but then I've already ciphered it. But one of the things is I was absorbing it a lot. Like I was absorbing, poetry you read it once and you're like whoa and you read it again and you're like oh that's also neat and there's something different you unpack every single time that's why good poetry is good because every time you read shakespeare there's something new i've read macbeth like three times and every time i read it i pick up something that i'm like oh i didn't even notice he did that and it tickles and, your brain like you get mm-hmm. the shot of endorphins or something when you hear a pun that you didn't hear before like sage francis has so many and this one song he does called gunzio and it's yeah. like making fun of gun gun fanatics but like not fanatics but like rappers who are talking about their guns yo i've got my nine millimeter it's like yeah me too it's in my safe and like (laughs) these guys are sucking off each other's gats and pistols like he's just funny about it right but it's a clever funny because it's like word plays 
it's not just making fun of people like you're stupid it's really really clever child uh schoolyard humor yeah some of his later albums just seemed like he was having woman troubles they weren't still they were still clever but he's i, I think he grew out of it though most most rappers do because you're really into it in your early 20s and 30s maybe but like you can't well you can't people jump around on stage and point at a point at the crowd when you're 50 because like you just like this is ridiculous because well, <laughs> people you get the self-awareness of how silly it looks <laughs> yeah you get well it's kind of like having a wheeling a guitar guy uh, like Keith Richards out and saying, all right, do the Rolling Stones now. And he's just like, <laughs> is he actually still alive? I don't know. Uh, but I think so. But I mean, but, I got nothing against people who do it for a long time. It's just there's a lot of burnout in hip hop because they lose that. It takes a whole lot of heart and passion to write like that. And when you're successful, if you don't have the hardship anymore, the motivation to get inspired is just gone. Yeah, you get something like Chopin where he's like, you know what made Chopin so good? The tuberculosis. <laughs> it's, it's, I hate to say it, but you can hear it and it's there. And the I think the other thing is, is that a lot of times you get um, your brain as you get older doesn't have the same, I don't know, how do I say this, elasticity, but you just to me it seems like music acts a lot like sports you can do it and you're and you have a prime but then you're kind of gonna you're kind of gonna lose it because you're balancing on an edge when you're playing that when you're in the zone and you kind of have to um i would disagree with it only because i think maybe there's an element of that because rap is about lyrics right words are the things that deteriorate in your brain as you get older so like you can play guitar just as well as you played when you were young probably better or you can play piano because of muscle memory and tune and all that but Mm -hmm. coming up with unique syllabic word plays while rhyming while having something deep to say underneath it all it's just it's it's not what our brains are good at when we're older you know what I mean? No. It's like one of the first things that deteriorates into your forties. Well, and I think there's another element to it where you, um, you're good at what you're good at, and then the zeitgeist kind of keeps moving, but you know what you know. And like for someone like Shakespeare, the the zeitgeist was moving so slowly that he could like they weren't done with him uh when they died but now everything's moving so quickly like if you are doing the same thing for five years in a row you're gonna you're not gonna make it and you either have to adapt come up with something new experiment try something um but you are a momentary contribution rather than a you know oh what's this guy doing now oh i can't wait for his this is the 40th album in the last 50 years or something oh, i can't wait for the next one you know you because when you get deep into something as you get older and i've noticed this about like myself you you end up with a groove you become more defined in who you are and you can't be as um fluid yeah and so because you know you got all these tricks and but these tricks that make you great are also the things that tend to, you know, tie you down a bit. Um, maybe like that blindness of age, I guess. (laughs) And also like the other people from your time have had more time to come up with the same, the -hmm. same novelties. So you, you sort of run out of novelties as you get older too. 
Yeah. And it's only the next generation who, who learns from your novelties that create their own novelties. And then you're sort of behind the ball. Right. And that's I think the a, whole evolution of music in general. Like that's think, how all music evolves. I think a good example of this is like someone like Johnny Cash, who is moving from rap Johnny to Johnny Cash. Cash. Okay. Johnny Cash's early stuff was like all of it. I hate all of it. <laughs> but then his later stuff was he just got really melancholy and he just was like, I'm gonna sing some deep songs and I don't care if you make but he changed right near the end where he was I don't listen to him religiously, I just um but some of his later stuff is very dark and it's very meaningful and it's not just like i went out in a burning blaze of fire no no no. he's talking about like getting old he's talking about failure he's talking about up in life and regrets and stuff like that and you hear it and there's someone actually talking there and it's like okay he's doing something different something meaningful and it's coming from a different place but uh, I'm not saying it's bad. I just don't like it because oh, no. I, I don't appreciate small struggles. I think those are good for people. Mm-hmm. And dealing with getting old is a small struggle that everybody deals with. Yeah. That's not to say I don't think the music shouldn't be out there. I just don't care to listen to it because I got Plato and Aristotle under my belt, right? <laughs> well, like, it's, you know, it's, it's its own thing and you don't have to like everything. I think that's right. as far yeah. as that needs to go. But that's like, the same with hip hop. Not everybody needs to love wordplays. Mm-hmm. Not everybody needs to like hip hop. And if somebody does listens to music for a melody that you're not going to find it in rap, you might find it here and there. You might like one or two songs here and there, but like you better off trying to go into reggae because reggae is like half rap, half singing. It's not full blown singing, but it's not full blown rap. You can kind of get into different styles of music in general mm-hmm. to find out what actually grooves with you. But listening like country music to me is like the smallest plights of the world all they're worried about is themselves their own people their own city their own town their own family nobody looks outside the border and says there's actually like devastation around the world that i could contribute to fixing and they Mm -hmm. don't all they care about in that whole genre of music is themselves and people say that about hip-hop which is really ironic well and i was gonna say that sounds a lot like the way i look at country (laughs) is the way other people look at rap so i fully understand and appreciate why people don't like rap just as i hope people understand and appreciate why i don't like country yeah and i think the thing is that it's easier like it's easy to say like make a moral statement if you don't like hip-hop you're you know this or that and it's just like it's it's easier to say that's just not for me or that's just not for him or that's just not for her um and just leave it at that and that's the easiest thing to do you could just say i don't like it you don't need a reason why like it's music yeah you're allowed to dislike music i think doing something like this has you know if someone didn't know or was like oh why am i listening to a podcast about two white guys talking about rap because i want people to stop saying that it's not music or that it has no value you know and not just rap but all types of music that they don't like oh jazz Mm -hmm. is just noise it's not just noise there's a reason why jazz persisted and why it influenced other forms of music like Mm hip-hop like freestyling is a verbal version of jazz uh, freestyling yeah there's i was gonna make that earlier but i couldn't ring it in but (laughs) But uh, like all music just adopts one from the other. Mm-hmm. And the importance is not dismissing music just because you don't like it. 
It's perfectly fine to dislike music and state that you dislike it and not even give a reason for it or know a reason for it. You don't have to care in trin- like underneath it all in your psychology why it doesn't really jive with you. But the point is to not deny that type of uh, appreciation and accept the fact that other people do like it. Because if you limit what you listen to, then that's also going to limit what gets played on the radio, which limits exposure to other people who might like it. And that may mean nothing to you and I personally, individually. But what we want as a society is for kids and people to be exposed to novelty, because that's what breeds creativity and creativity and invention fix a lot of the hardest problems in society. Music is a way for our brain to restructure and think of other problems, because it gives us an expectation, it gives us a plan and a rhythm, and it breaks our expectations for a little jolt of endorphin every now and then. One, I think novelty, but like meaningful novelty, not novelty. And because you get us like you, you have to sit down and read and listen to the song because like we have, we have almost like hyper novelty right now. You go on uh, Reddit or something like that and you just scroll, 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 novelty, novelty, novelty. Every second is novel because it's something new. when people are repeating new. things they heard from other people, it's not novelty. Right. But if you that's actually listen Reddit to a song, is. that's like, uh, that's, it's like the difference between um, hearing the title and hearing, reading the book. Um, so meaningful novelty, I think, is what. Um, if you take the time to actually sit down and listen to the song, that, that novelty is... I think everything meaningful has already been said. Oh, yes, in one sort of way. First, uh, <laughs> meaningless, I mean, sorry, meaningless. So like, oh, everything yeah. meaningful is novel. That's what... Yes. It, okay, that's what you... But everything that's not meaningful has already been said before. It's just <laughs> noise. It's people yeah. stringing words together that don't make sense that you've already heard. I've already mm-hmm. heard a whole bunch of nonsense. Just because they use different words to make a different nonsense doesn't mean it's not nonsense. Novelty to me, I, when I say it like that, I mean something that's not just new for the sake of being new. A mm-hmm. new meaning is novel. Mm-hmm. A, a new chord progression is novel. A new okay. sound is novel. Um, so it's not just the message or the words. But like bad rap is not, there's nothing new about it. They use the same rhymes. They use the same rhyming schemes. They use the same beats. They have the same subject matter. Nothing about it is unique. Even if that song has never been specifically done before, that song has been done before. It ends up sounding stereotypical. Yeah. And so. Yeah. So when I say novelty, I mean meaning, but yeah. Oh yeah. Important distinction. So I think that's a good place to start to round it up. I think that was a good uh, thought to leave it at. Maybe people can get into it. Um, is there a place to start? My music. Your music. Yeah, go see Chris's album. Yeah, and I don't just say that for shameless self-promotion. It's because I cover the gamut of like politics, relationships, music, media. Like in in my album, I cover it all. So if you want to look for good rap, you can find out the songs you hate from my album, then you'll know what to look for. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think that's good. Um, I'll probably come up with a list of recommendations for everybody because, you know, I love to do that. Not too long because, like... Whatever, you got 5,000 characters in the description we're not using. (laughs) It'll help with the search engine optimization anyway. Marketing, baby. (laughs) All right, you guys have been listening to Frivolous Gravitas. I hope you enjoyed it. We're talking about next time. I have not. Foreshadowing. 
foreshadowing. Um, maybe no free lunches uh, or. Oh, charity. Let's talk about charity. Oh, boy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to dig myself a hole when we talk about charity, but yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> See you Go guys. Go listen to Tupac and Chino XL. Yeah. <laughs>